turn to the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter number 15. 2 Chronicles chapter number 15. Brother Nate's going to mention here at the end of the service our announcements. I do want to remind you tonight, and we're immediately following the service, we're going to have about a, I don't know, what about a 15, 20 minute maybe round table. Uh, we're going to set some tables up here on the platform, and we're going to discuss the upcoming election and uh, the perspective a Christian should have. We're not going to preach at you, but we're going to go through the ballot. We're going to have the ballot printed off, and we're going to go walk through that with you, not telling you how to vote, but helping you recognize how your Christianity and your spiritual convictions should guide the way that you vote. So we're going to do that at the end of service tonight and hope you'll stick around for that. I believe we're going to open it up tonight for everybody. And a little bit more good news I want to give you before we jump into the message. Uh, in November, uh, we're going to be taking the opportunity to take every Saturday in November and get our outreach started back up. It's been kind of uh, anemic uh, and idle for a little while. And all in the month of December, we're going to have some very special services every Sunday morning in December that we're going to put under the category of a season of hope. Uh, we've gone through seasons of doubt and difficulty and fear and uncertainty. And I believe that we as the people of God can take the word of God and show people why that Christmas season is truly a season of hope. And so I believe we have a picture back here I'm going to show you. Uh, we have the new, a new track made up. We ordered 2,500 of these, and they are specific for the month of December. And uh, we're going to show up here every Saturday morning in November who, who all wants to go out. And we're going to go do a little old-fashioned door knocking. Do we have that back there, guys? Maybe not. We'll show it to you tonight. Uh, is it up there? All right. I don't see it on my television back there, so as long as you can see this. Uh, we're going to be inviting everyone here in Hattie's. We've got 2,500 invitations made to show up for our Season of Hope message series in December. I'm excited about the opportunity to go out and invite people to share in the hope uh, that Christ has to offer them. So keep that in mind. We'll be kind of revealing more about that as the day gets closer. Second Chronicles chapter number 15. If you're there and you can, let's go ahead and stand together. Stretch our legs just a little bit. I don't plan on keeping you any longer than I think the Lord have us to today, uh, but I'm going to share with you what the Lord's put on my heart, and I'm not preaching tonight. We have another guest preacher coming in tonight for our Sunday night school, even though we're going to open up for everyone tonight, and so I've got to get everything I want to say in one service, so you may have to sit through a little extra longer today, amen? Second Chronicles chapter number 15, look at verse number 1. The Bible says, and the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Obed. Oh, dead. The Bible says, And he went out to meet Asa, and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while ye be with him. And if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. Now for a long season Israel hath been without the true God, and without a teaching priest, and without law. But when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord, God of Israel, and sought him, he was found of them. And in those times there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in, but great vexations were upon all inhabitants of the countries. And nation was destroyed of nation, and city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. Let's stop there and pray. Father God, I do thank you for the message that you've undoubtedly laid upon my heart. Now, Father, I acknowledge to you this morning that, Lord, as mortal man, I cannot preach this, Lord, uh, and accomplish what you would desire that we accomplish alone. And I pray, Father, that you would take now this message, have your will and way with it. I pray your Holy Spirit, Lord, would have liberty today, that none of us would quench the Spirit through disobedience, but help us all, Lord, present our hearts and lives to you right now, that, Lord, you may take the message and apply it as you would see fit. 
And I pray, Father, that you would help us to say what you'd have us to say or not to say the things you wouldn't have us to say. And Lord, I pray we'd just be obedient and respond to your will during the invitation today. For it's in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Several years ago, I read a story uh, about a very bizarre uh, accident that happened in North Carolina back in 1988. And I don't think I've used this story here before. So I went back last night and read the news article. It involved a 35-year-old man from Durham, North Carolina by the name of Ivan Lester McGuire. He was a professional skydiver. He was a photographer. It was his job uh, as the skydivers would jump out of the plane, uh, as some of you have done. Brother Nate, I believe, has done it, or wants to do it. Miss Stacy wants to do it, or has done it as well. And uh, you're flying through the air there, scared to death, and you have somebody to document it so you can show your friends and have the evidence that you actually did what you say that you did. Well, that's what he did. It was his job to film everybody on the way down. He was about to go through about his 800th jump. He was about to go up with a group that had never been skydiving before, and they wanted that to be captured on film, and uh, that was his career. He wanted to become that full-time, and so he got in all the jumps that he could. He was taking this group up back in 1988, and they got into the plane. They took off, and they got up, I don't know, 20,000 feet, uh, preparing to jump out, and one by one, the tandem groups began to jump out. Uh, after they all got out of the plane, Mr. Ivan jumps out with his helmet on that had the camera affixed to it. Uh, and began filming the people as they fell, you know, their, their gums flapping in the wind, you know, and their face flapping in the wind, and uh, feeling all their excitement and whatnot. And then around 10,500 feet, uh, it was time for them to begin pulling their rip cords. And so they did one by one. He watches all of them pull their chutes and began to just flutter toward the ground. After the last one pulled his rip cord and he had filmed it all and captured everything that needed to be captured, uh, Mr. Ivan McGuire reached back to pull his ripcord and realized that in all of his haste and all of his excitement to get out of the plane and film everyone else that he had forgotten to put on his own parachute. At 150 miles an hour, he was headed towards the ground and you could hear him on the video saying, oh no. When he reached back and he realized that all that he had prepared was not enough because he didn't have what he needed, and what he needed was his parachute. And back in April of 1988, Mr. McGuire went home to be with the Lord. Now, here's what I want you to see this morning. It was a very pivotal moment when he reached back and found out that what he had was not enough because he didn't have everything that he needed. Now, he had his helmet, and he had his camera, he had all the experience that he needed, and he had successfully filmed everything that he needed to film, but all the things that he had could not make up for the one thing that he didn't have. And what he needed was his parachute. And I thought about that this morning when I was preparing the message and preparing to introduce the thought and how that parachute was very pivotal to him. And how he could have done without a lot of things, but when he jumped out of that plane, the one thing that he could not afford to do without was his parachute. He could afford it to have done without his helmet. As sad as that would have been not to have his helmet and not to have the camera to capture all that was going on, he could afford it to jump without his helmet. He could afford it to jump without not having as many hours of experience, but he could not afford to jump without having his parachute. And he died because he forgot something that he could not afford to do without. Now let's look at ourselves this morning. As we look at this text, we're reading about a wonderful victory. 
Uh, the Bible tells us that Asa, the new king in Judah, has come in and he's cleaned up all the idolatry. You can read that in 2 Chronicles chapter number 14, beginning in verse number 1. You'll read that he cleaned up Judah and he got out all of the groves and the high places and all of the altars to the false gods that were there. And as he returns from a battle where the Ethiopians were preparing to destroy him, the Bible says he cried out for, to God. And God stepped in and miraculously delivered victory unto them. And then in chapter number 15, the Bible says that the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa. So here's what's happening. As he returns from this battle, the Bible says that God sent a prophet to him, and God sent him to remind him of just how the victory came to be. He says, I want you to understand that the victory that you received today is because of what God has done for you. God was the one that delivered you out of the hands of the Ethiopians. And watch what he says in chapter 15. He shows him something very pivotal. He says in verse number 2, The Lord is with you while you be with him. He says, I want you to know if you enjoyed this victory, the way that you have more victories is to realize that the Lord is going to be with you as long as you be with him. I think that would be something bearing mentioning this morning for our country. If we desire that God be with us, we've got to make sure the first question is answered. And that question is, are we or have we decided to be with God? We're begging God to come stand with us, but we're not as hasty about going to stand with God. Now the Bible says in verse number 2, I'm showing you what your future can be. That I'll be with you as long as you be with me. But wait a minute, he also shows him their past. Look at verse 5, he says, in those times there was no peace to him that went out. This was the time that they were without God. The Bible says, to him that went out or came in, but great vexations were upon all inhabitants of the countries. If there's something I think you could describe America as this morning, it's vexed. America feels vexed this morning. It seems like that there's no peace in America anymore, not even in Christian homes anymore. There's no peace. We are vexed. Why? Because we're not with God. He would be with us if we were with him, but we're not with him, and that's why we're in this vexed situation this morning. But I want you to notice verse 3. That's going to be our key text today. In verse number 3, he explains that all the trouble they were dealing with was the result of what they were doing without. I want you to remember that line this morning. All the trouble that they were dealing with was a result of what they were doing without. They were doing without God. They were doing without the leadership of the Holy Spirit. They were doing without the direction of the priest. And this morning, I believe so much of what's befallen America and so much of what's befalling our homes and our personal lives is a direct result of what we're trying to do without what happened to Mr. McGuire when he died after that uh, accident with the parachute was a direct result of something that he was doing without. He was doing without something he needed, which was his parachute. And this morning, the catastrophe that we're going through as a nation is reflected in the same catastrophe that Israel and Judah were going through this morning because of what they were trying to do without. And folks, we look at what we're dealing with. We look at the discord and the division in our country. We look at the heartache that we see splitting this country in half because of political views and ideologies and all the things we're dealing with is nothing less than a result of what we're trying to do without. And I believe verse number three gives us three things this morning that we are missing that really matter. When Azariah's telling him, telling Asa to do, he says, look, you need to deal with some things that you're trying to do without. 
And I believe this morning that we are vexed. I believe this morning that we do not have victory and we don't have peace this morning, not because of the things we're dealing with. We can blame it on politics. We can blame it on relations. We can blame it on discord in our country. But the things we're dealing with are nothing less than a direct result of the things that we're doing without. And they are listed in verse number 3. So this morning, I think God wants to help us, or I know God wants to help us today. He wants to help us to deal with some things that we're doing without. And let's look at that thought, if we could. Look up, if you will, to verse 3. The Bible says, now for a long season, Israel hath been without. Notice that. For a long season, Israel hath been without. Now, God wants Asa to know that the reason Israel's going through the calamity that they're going through is because some things that are missing in their life, things that are missing in their nation. And these same things are missing in our nation today. It says, now for a long season, Israel hath been without the true God. Now notice he did not just say God. He could have said Israel or Judah has been without a God. He says he has been without a true God. Now this is very important because God is speaking specifically. Number one this morning, I believe one of the things that we're missing out and we're doing without is we're doing it without the true God. Now I want you to listen to me this morning. The word true means accurate, factual, or in accordance with reality. All right? He says Israel is doing without the true God. That's why they were vexed. That's why there was no peace. That's why there was so much division. That's why they did not have victory. Chapter number 14 describes the gods that Israel had. Notice the Bible says, look down. The Bible says, And Asa did that which was good, in verse number 2, in the right, and right in the eyes of the Lord. For he took away the altars of the strange gods. Folks, can I tell you this morning, I believe there's a lot of people, Christians included, who have a dim view or an incorrect view or a clouded view of who the true God is. And by the way, that's in churches as well. Listen, I think we've gotten away from an accurate depiction of exactly who God is. And many this morning, many churches, maybe even many of us this morning, are not worshiping the true God because God is who he says he is, not who we think he is. It's amazing to read surveys today and people ask about God and what political stances God takes. Now, I believe God's tolerant and God allows this and God's okay with this and God's okay with that. Folks, can I tell you, God's very clear what he's okay with. And God's very clear what he's not okay with. And if we want to know who the true God is, we've got to go to the word of God and find out exactly who it says he is. Or else, we possibly this morning may be worshiping a strange God. Romans chapter 1, the Bible says in verse 23, that they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man. Can I tell you this morning, we're all tempted to do the same thing? We're all tempted to rewrite the character of God to fit our desires and our needs. By the way, that's exactly what idolatry is all about. It's when you create or recreate God into the image of what you desire. Now, folks, I want you to know, my God created me in his image. He doesn't need me to recreate him in my image. But when you look across America today, the God that's being worshipped, I don't believe, is the true God. Why? Because his attributes are contained within his word. I listened to a part of the debate the other night, and uh, all the candidates love to make sure they check the God box, don't they? they got to make sure we don't alienate that group that is out there. But it's amazing how such polarizing candidates, and look, there's good and bad on both sides. 
But it's amazing how I was listening to, I believe it was Vice President Biden the other day, or a candidate, former Vice President Biden, and he was talking about how he's faithful to his religion and his faith, and that he's faithful to God. But I want you to understand something this morning. Look, I'm not trying to be political. I'm just telling you the truth, all right? You can't hold hands with the Almighty and hold hands with what God calls an abomination. That's not possible. All right. Now you think that you can worship that God the way that you want to worship him and that God believes the way that you do. You've created a strange God. That's not the true God. Now, Folks, this morning, if we're going to get back to the place where America is one nation under God again, we need to understand who that God is. He is the true God. He's not a God that I've designed. He's not a God that represents or reflects my desires. It was amazing. You read Romans chapter 1. The Bible says in verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. If you're not careful this morning, you'll start living without and doing without the true God. You'll create your own God that agrees with you rather than agrees with this book. And I believe this morning this is the place that we've gotten. Israel had a customized God that really met their comfort level. Now, folks, look, I like things that are customized. I really do. I like to pick and choose. Uh, I like going to Subway and getting what I want and leaving what I don't. I don't get bell peppers. I don't get onions. Uh, I don't get a lot of... I like, uh, I like banana peppers. I like black olives and just a little bit of mayonnaise. I used to like a lot, but I'm doing better on that. So I just get a little bit of mayonnaise now that is there. And I was in Subway the other day. I was behind this lady. And uh, I think that lady got the most customized sandwich I'd ever seen. I'm standing there in line, and she says, I want a six-inch wheat. So she got that. She says, I want that, that, um, that, that roasted chicken on there. She's got the roasted chicken. And the lady says, I want a light mayonnaise, and, but I want the light mayonnaise on the top part of the bun, not the bottom part of the bun. And I'm sitting there to myself thinking, there's got to be some logic there. And I'm thinking to myself, why have not, I not done that before? I just tell them to put mayonnaise on it. But the longer I stared at it, for the life of me, I could not figure out, why would you put it on the top and not the bottom? Because you know they're going to close it. All right? And then it's going to get on the bottom, too. And then she says, look, it was a six inch. She said, when I get it done, I want you to add salt and pepper and all this, and then I want you to cut it in half. I'm like, it's already a six inch. It's barely, look, it's as tiny as it is already. And then she wanted it cut in half. But after she was done, she had exactly what she wanted. Now, folks, look, there's nothing wrong with customizing your lunch. But there is something wrong when you customize your Lord, all right? Let's not try to get God to fit what we like and what we believe. We've slowly seen the church. Listen, listen, the church of the true and living God has departed from him for a long time now. And the church of the true and living God no longer reflects the true God that we're supposed to be representing and being a light of in this life. Why? Because we've fit him to be our comfort level rather than changing our comfort level to be obedient to him. Can I tell you this morning, God is who he says he is, not who we think he is or want him to be. And if we want to get back to the place where God is with us again, we've got to understand that we've got to worship the true God, not a strange God that we have manufactured in our own minds. Now, when you study out the names of God, we're not going to take all the time to do that this morning, but when you study out the names of God, you can learn a lot about him. Uh, I put a list here in my notes this morning. It could go on and on and on, but we're not going to do that. You remember when Abraham was on the mountain, on Mount Moriah with Isaac. And when he's on Mount Moriah with Isaac and God had delivered the ram uh, as that substitute for Isaac, the Bible says that he uses the name there, Jehovah Jireh, which means God has provided. 
Now, I'm thankful this morning that God, the God that I serve, is a God that can provide. Aren't you glad? Oh, how many times in my life have I seen God provide time and time again? Whether it was a physical need or a spiritual need or maybe wisdom in my life, I'm so thankful that I serve Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. I'm thankful for that attribute of God. And oh, how I need that attribute of God. I'll give you another one. Gideon called him Jehovah Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. Aren't you glad this morning that our God, the true God, is a God of peace? How often do you need peace? I mean, yesterday, I came up here yesterday afternoon and closed the doors on the office, and I knelt down on my recliner. It's kind of a cushy altar, amen? Uh, it's the softest altar I've ever had. And I knelt there on my recliner, and I went to God. And I said, God, I don't know who's going to be there tomorrow, but I need your wisdom, and I need peace about what you'd have us to preach on today and how wonderful it is that I serve a God that can give peace. Not only is he a provider God, but he's a peaceful God. We'll keep reading and find out that David called him in Psalms 30. Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord heals. Have you ever been a place in your life where you needed healing? Look, I'm not talking about the Benny Hinn stuff, all right? There's no more power in Benny Hinn's coat than there is mine. The only power may be just a little bit of sweat. It's got a little power of stink, but that's just about it, okay? But the true God that I serve, he's a God that heals and oh, I love that about God. He's a provider, he gives peace, and he's a healer. Ezekiel called him Jehovah Shammah, which means the Lord is near. Aren't you glad that we serve a God that is near? That very present help in a time of trouble. But here's what I want you to understand this morning. The problem with us today, the problem with me, and if you're not careful, it'll be the problem with you, is we desire the attributes of God in our life. The provider the peace, the healer, the one that is near. We desire the attributes of God in our life, but we deny the authority of God in our life. I want you to let that sink in a little bit. We desire the attributes of God. Oh, God, I want you to heal me. God, I want you to provide for me. God, I want you to be near me. God, I want you to guide me. God, I want you to supply for me. Those are the attributes of God. But can I tell you something this morning? You cannot separate the attributes of God from the authority of God. God is a package deal. Here's what we do. We desire this morning him to comfort us, but we don't want his conviction. God, I want your comfort in my life, but I don't want you to convict me in my life. Listen, when you push away God's conviction, you've also pushed away his comfort. Why? Because that's the package deal of what God comes with. We can't just create the God that we like and create this God where we've picked and chose the attributes we want and thrown out the things that we don't want. When I go to Subway, I get what I want and I leave behind what I don't, but that's not what God does. If you accept God for who he is, the true God, who, yes, gives comfort, but he also brings conviction. Think about this. How often do we want him to deliver us but not direct us? God, I want you to deliver me. God, I'm going through this problem, whether physical, spiritual, emotional, in my life. And God, I need deliverance. And, oh, I'm thankful we do serve a God who can deliver. That's one of his attributes. But wait a minute. Not only does he deliver, but he wants to direct us. And when you refuse the direction of God, you've also pushed away the deliverance of God. You see, this is where America has erred. We want God to comfort us and to deliver us and provide for us, but we don't want God to be an authority over us. 
And this morning, I want you to know you can't desire his attributes while denying his authority. It's not going to happen. You can't tell God, God, I want all the good stuff, and I don't want any of the bad stuff. When I, my daughter was, was younger, she's not, uh, not there anymore. She's kind of grown out of that. We would go to Sonic, and the only thing she wanted was ice cream and a grilled cheese. I said, Molly, you need to eat something healthy. She said, well, why did you stop at Sonic? <laughs> you can't get anything, anything healthy at Sonic. I think there are jalapenos. Isn't that a vegetable? Jalapeno, a vegetable. There are jalapenos in those poppers, so there are some vegetables at Sonic. You just got to look hard to find them. There's some tomatoes on the sandwich and things along that line. All the things that she wanted was the fun stuff. All the things that she wanted were the things that she thought was good. She didn't like things that were not uh, good to her taste, and that's how we are with our God. We serve a strange God. He's not the true God. Why? Because the true God, he does give deliverance, but he also gives direction. Finally, we want his blessings, but not his burdens. God, I want you to bless me. God, I want that attribute from you. I want your blessings, but wait a minute. I don't want your burdens. God, I don't want to be burdened down by this book. I mean, this book just confines my life. And here's what Azariah is telling Asa. The Lord is with you as long as you're with him. But don't try to do without the true God. Don't manufacture a God according to your desires and your decisions. You've got to have the true God. And it's a package deal of blessings and burdens all together. That's why Elijah said on Mount Carmel, if God be God, follow him. If God be God, follow him. Uh, I mean, look, our God's got to be more of a God to us than putting a bumper sticker on our car. All right? I like good bumper stickers. Uh, I used to, when I was mad at people, I used to tell my wife, I'm going to get a bumper sticker that says this. Like, especially you people that go slow in the fast lane. I want to get a bumper sticker and I want to pass you and go real slow where you could see it after I passed you. They said, if I passed you on this side, you're in the wrong lane. You know, that's the way I wanted to preach to people was through bumper stickers. You know, you could just kind of let them see it and then speed off before they, you know, put a bullet through your windshield. There's nothing wrong this morning with having a good godly bumper sticker, a good godly t-shirt, making a good godly post. But if that's the extent of God in your life, I hate to tell you something, that's not the true God. All right? You can't just hoard all of his attributes and deny all of his authority in your life. If he's God, you're going to follow him. All right? If he's going to be the true God and you're worshiping the true God that will be with you when you're with him, then you've got to make sure you've got the right one. And the one the world's worshiping today, it's not the right one. So how do you know? Because they deny his authority. You've got to have both. You've got to have his attributes, his blessings, his providence, his peace, all the things that God wants to give you. Hey, that's wonderful. I'm thankful that's the God that I serve. But he also brings conviction. He brings direction. He brings burdens in our life. So number one, notice something they couldn't do without. He says, look, you can't afford to be without the true God. And I believe this morning, if you push away God's conviction, and you push away God's direction, and you push away God's burdens, you're also pushing away his blessings, his deliverance, and you're pushing away his peace. But look at the second thing. The Bible says, now for a long season, Israel hath been without the true God. And notice the second thing. The Bible says... The true God and without a teaching priest. Don't you think about what the priest was this morning? The priest was those that God commanded to lead the people in truth. Aren't you glad? Look, I'm thankful. I look back at my life at men and women of God who were a blessing to me and gave me truth. I don't always like the truth because sometimes the truth hurts, doesn't it? You know, my wife will tell me from time to time after we leave having dinner with someone, honey, you had something stuck to your teeth the whole time we were there. 
I mean, I wish you'd have told me that while we were there. I get in the car and you're so embarrassed or Milo tell me, Dad, you know, you're drinking that chocolate milk and you got that chocolate milk smile up the side of your face. It's all right to be a kid every once in a while. And I didn't know and walk around here in the office and I had some chocolate milk smile on my face. And, oh, I don't like it when people tell me things that I've got wrong in my life, but I'm so thankful for the people that God has sent in my life from all the way from Sunday school. Miss Carolyn Jackson was my Sunday school teacher as a kid. Uh, that was the Sunday school teacher when I got saved. And all the way up through my, my dad, who was my youth pastor and became my pastor later. I'm so thankful for people that God sent to me to guide me in truth. Now notice this. Not only were they doing without the true God, the Bible says they had been doing without a teaching priest. You see, that teaching priest would be there to give the people direction. They would come. It almost reminds me of church. They would come, and that priest would give them guidance and direction, the decisions they would go. So number two, I want you to notice this morning that the people had learned to do without a truthful guide. They were learning to do without a truthful guide. I can't help but think about the countless people I know in the past 18 months and in the past 25 years of ministry who've given up on God and quit coming to his house and seeking out the truth that would guide them through the life that they're living. They decided that one day that, you know what, I'm too busy for church. I've got too much going on. I have too many plans in my life. I have too many ambitions and goals. I don't have time to be there at church. And they have abandoned or learned to do without that truthful guide. Can I tell you what the Bible calls the church in 1 Timothy chapter 3? The Bible says the church of the living God is the pillar and the ground of truth. Do you know what Central Baptist Church is supposed to be? Central Baptist Church is supposed to be a compass that faithfully points in the direction of truth. I love hearing the testimonies of some of you as I get to know you better. I know a lot of your names, most of your names, but I don't know all of your stories of how you came to be at Central. And from time to time, I'll get to know you a little better and hear how you came to be here and how God brought you to Central. And after a while, one of the things that always seems to come out is no matter what the preacher was or who the preacher was, that you always heard truth. And that truth is what guided you and your family and your home. And that truth is what held you together when you didn't know what to do or where to go. And I think about how many today have walked away from the house of God and are learning or trying to do without a truthful guide. The Bible says they've made shipwreck. They've erred. Why? Because they've abandoned the truth. 1 Corinthians one twenty one. listen close to what the Bible says. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. But wait a minute, look what God does. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Do you remember the first time, listen, when you were lost and you came to the house of God and you heard preaching and you heard truth? Look, the preacher may not have been any good, but aren't you glad the Holy Spirit's a great preacher? And the Holy Spirit can take that word of God, that word of truth, and he pierces it deep within our heart, and it shows us who we are, and it shows us how far from God we are, and all that doesn't feel good. But how that truth God uses to guide us back to him, listen to me, it doesn't always feel good, but I'm thankful for the guides of truth that I've had in my life. And how often do we walk away from the preaching of the word of God? How often do we decide, you know what, I can do without that this morning. I can do without that on Sunday night. I can do without that on Wednesday night. And we walk away from that truthful guide that wanted to give us the direction that we needed in the life that we're living. If there was ever a time we needed a guide of truth, it's right now. 
Oh, listen, when we get our Sunday school going back up again, look, do not think at all that you can do without Sunday school. Why? Because that's where you get that truthful guide to show us the way that we can go because who knows what the future is going to hold for us very soon. So this morning what we've got to realize, we can't do without a truthful guide. Titus 1.3, but Bible, the Bible says, but God hath in due times manifested his word through preaching. You know, God could have chosen a lot of mediums. God could have just chose, you know what, instead of preaching the word of God, we're going to act it out. Now, that would be fun, wouldn't it, if we got to act it out? You got the church guys to come up here and we act out the scripture? We could do that from time to time, but we're not, okay? Just go ahead and just scuttle that idea. We're not going to do that. He didn't choose us to act it out, all right? And there's nothing wrong with good singing. That's a part of our worship. But the Bible says that God chose the foolishness of preaching. We can't do without preaching. Why? Because that's where we get that truthful guide. The Bible says they had learned to do without a teaching priest. They said, you know what? We'll figure it out on our own. What does the Bible say about that? We try to figure out things on our own. The Bible says there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. You know what? I don't need a guide. I don't need somebody to tell me what to do. I don't need somebody to give me direction in my life. I'm going to figure it out. The Bible says that way seems right, but the end thereof are what? The ways of death. And we look at America today. America has abandoned the teaching priest, if you will. America has gotten away from that guide of truth. And now we see it slowly spiraling out of control. Because we think we can learn to do without it. So what happens? 2 Timothy chapter 4. I want you to turn there with me this morning. 2 Timothy chapter number 4. Paul exhorts Timothy to do something that maybe people aren't going to like. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse number 1. Watch what the Bible says. I charge thee therefore before God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Watch close, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itchy ears. And they shall turn away their ears from what? The truth. Paul says, Timothy, I want you to preach the word. Be instant and in season. I want you to reprove and rebuke with all longsuffering and doctrine. Why? He said, because there's going to come a time where they're going to turn their ears away from truth. I think we're there. Nobody wants to hear the truth. And they're going to turn and find them teachers who are going to tell them exactly what they want to say. Folks, look, I hate when folks leave our church. I hate when folks, look, get mad. I hate when folks say, you know what? I don't like you calling out sin and naming names. Look, I'd like you to preach about generic things like thou shalt not kill. I think we could all agree on that one, couldn't we? All right, we're going to preach about let's not kill people. Uh, and look, hey, let's not go out there and get on drugs. Let's not get specific, all right? Let's not start naming names or calling out. Now, look, I'm not going to call out your name. But I think, listen, a man of God, listen, if he has any muster in him whatsoever, ought to be willing to obey the Holy Spirit of God when the Holy Spirit of God says, preach the truth and call out sin. All right? Now, look, I don't like when people get mad at me. I don't. I think every week somebody gets mad at me. They really do. Now, I hate when you have missing chairs. I, I really do. But can I tell you something? If this church is not going to be the pillar and ground of truth, why don't we change our name to Central Baptist Social Club? All right? People in Hattiesburg need to come to this place and hear the truth. Why? Because they need a guide. Somebody's got to show them the way to go. Listen, we've got young people who've never heard of David and Goliath. 
We've got young people who've written our church bus who don't know anything about Daniel and the lion's den. Why? Because there's less and less preaching of truth. Because our churches have gotten to the place where we think that we can do without that teaching priest or that one who guides in truth. And we wonder why things are in the shape they're in. All right? I do love you. I want you to know that. All right? I am smiling. I really do love you. And I love you enough to tell you the truth. I don't know if you believe that, but I do. The Bible tells us in the book of Joshua that after Joshua died, the Bible says that the children of Israel served the Lord all the years of Joshua and the elders that outlived him. But after they died, what happened? Generation comes along who departs away from truth. What happened? They lost their teaching priest. They lost that guide of truth that pointed the way and that gave direction. Folks, look, we shouldn't be surprised the world's going the direction they're going. Why? Because we've learned to live without the teaching priest. All right? I'm not a priest. Amen? I get to wear a real tie. All right? I don't have to wear one of them funky ones. I get to wear a real one. I even get to change it out. I feel so sad for priests. They have to wear that same old tie all the time. I get to wear a colorful one. I wonder if they get to wear snazzy socks. They probably got to wear the same old socks all the time too. Look, I'm not a priest. I'm a preacher. God's called me to preach the word. God's called me to give direction and truth. Why? Truth, listen, they sang about it a moment ago. That's what sets you free. Now, folks, look, you may not believe it this morning, but the truth of God's word, whether it convicts us or whether it comforts us, it's going to be, give us freedom if we adhere to it. But you've got to hear it. So number two, Asa, he says, don't do without a teaching priest. For too long, Israel's gone without the true God and then a truthful guide. This is why the Bible says in 1 Timothy 1.19, holding faith and a good conscience which some, having put away faith, have made shipwrecked. They shipwrecked. You ever see Christians that look by the grace of God? Weren't it for the grace of God? It could be any of us today. Make shipwreck. What happened? They departed from truth. You know how people depart from truth? They live without the true God. And then they start living without a truthful God. I don't need to hear that. I don't have to be in church. I don't need to hear that preacher. I mean, look, he keeps us after 12 o'clock. I don't have my watch on. I just took it off this morning. That way, I'm not even convicted about it. We're going to get that red one gone out of there because it, it convicts me a little bit sometimes when I see how late we're keeping you. Folks, listen to me. We get to the place where we think we can do without the teaching priest or the truth of God's word. And we do without the true God. And that's where Paul says that's why we've made shipwrecked. I looked on my calendar this morning, May 23rd, if the Lord tarries, which he probably won't, May 23rd, 2021, we're having an outdoor service again. That's going to be the last Sunday in May, and we're going to have a parking lot service again. Do you know why? To remind us of just how blessed we are to be able to come to the house of God. You know, we had to meet out there, and that was such a pain, preaching up on the scaffolding. I was worried because it made me a higher target. For those of you who don't like me very much, I was just waiting for that red laser dot to fly in there and... You know, Brother Nate wasn't there to take the bullet for me just yet, but I'm so glad he's here now. He's going to dive in front of it and take it if you try to take me out. But we're going to have a service, May the 23rd, if the Lord tarries, 2021, outside again up on the scaffolding. Why? So that we can remember what the privilege it is to come to the house of God and to hear the truth of God's word because for so long we were outside of this building. And if you're not careful, you'll start saying, you know what? I can do without church today. I can do without I don't need to show up this morning. I don't need to show up tonight. I don't need to show up on Wednesday. And that's why the Bible says, watch, in verse 5, and in those times there was no peace. You see, you think abandoning God's going to bring you peace. It's not. He says, God's with you as long as you're with him. But when they were without that teaching priest, 
There was no peace to him that went out nor that came in, but great vexations were upon all inhabitants of the countries. And nation was destroyed of nation, city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. You see, what happens when you try to do without the true God and a truthful guide, that's when you end up in adversity. You know what the devil tells you? He tells me, look, if you just gave up on God and got away from church, then everything would be okay. We seem to think that God's the one giving us adversity when we come. No, it's the devil that doesn't like us coming here. That's why he brings that chastisement into our life. He doesn't want us to come back. So number two, notice they did without a truthful guide. And then finally, verse 3, the Bible says, without a teaching priest, without law. Without law. I think about what that word of God has meant to me in my life. I want you to think about this morning, what has the Word of God meant to you in your life? Or the Ferret, when he comes with the Bibles uh, from Beams, he always asks you, what would you do without a Bible? What would you do about a Bible? I know there's many times throughout the course of my day where I'll think about making a decision that I probably don't need to make, but I really want to. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit of God will pull out a verse and start poking me with it. And I'm like, quit. I want to get them told. They need to get told. And he just keeps poking me. No, you don't need to say that. Or maybe there's something I want to go do. And he says, no, I want you to go visit so-and-so. Well, God, I've got to go take care of this first. He says, no, I want you to go. And he just keeps poking me and poking me, trying to guide me. You know what the Word of God is doing? The Word of God is working as a guardrail to keep me from going outside the boundaries of where I need to go. That's what the Word of God, that's what the law does. Aren't you thankful this morning that God loved us enough to give us a copy of it? Some of us have three or four or five of them. And then we have them on our cell phones. Look, instead of sitting there playing Angry Birds all the time, we could be sitting there reading the Word of God and getting that guard that's going to keep us within the boundaries. And that's number three. I want you to notice they were doing without a trusted guard. They were doing without a trusted guard. This morning, how each and every one of us cannot afford, none of us can afford this morning to live without the trusted guard, which is God's Word. And Azariah comes up to Asa and he says, listen, for a long time now, Israel's gone without the true God. For a long time, Israel's gone without that trusted guide to give them direction. And then they've gone without that guard that keeps them within the bounds. Oh, if it weren't for the word of God, how I could have made shipwreck many times in my life. But I'm thankful I had that trusted guard. The other night, we were on the way to Baton Rouge to watch our girls win again. Amen. Watching them win again. And it was really, really good. And I have to say, there's no gym like Central Baptist Hattiesburg's gym. I just got to put that out there. Amen. It was good, uh, but there's no gym like ours, no fans like ours. But we had a good time. The girls won. But on the way there, we got in a horrible downpour. I mean, it was a horrible downpour. And we had to slow down about, what, 40, 50 miles an hour. It was one of those downpours where you're holding the steering wheel and you're staring at the road. You know, because the rain is so heavy, you can't see the white lines. And, oh, I would drift over here and drift over there. And you had these big trucks going by you and all on the side. And I was trying to find the white lines. Those white lines were keeping us all safe. Now, my wife thought I was cool, calm, and collected. But on the inside, I was trying to find the lines. Why? Because if I go this way, what's going to happen? There's a ditch over there. And if I go this way, there's an 18-wheeler over there. And so I've got to keep it within the lines. And after a while, I was so thankful to be able to spot those white lines. You know why? They were serving as guards. They were serving as guards. They were showing me which way I needed to go, which way I didn't need to go. Now, folks, that's what the Word of God wants to do for you today. By the way, that's why the devil fights you so hard for reading it. 
The Word of God serves as a guide, a trusted guide this morning, but we've got to allow the Word of God to do its job. What does the Bible say in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 5? You shall observe to do therefore as the Lord your God hath commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand nor to the left. We get in trouble when we start making turns, don't we? The other night we left the ball. I have to tell you this. I'm probably going to lose my man card, but I've got to tell you this. We left Chick-fil-A, and I didn't know where we were, Denham Springs, somewhere around there. And uh, there was an on-ramp for the highway. And I was looking on Siri, and it looked like she turned right there. And so I just turned on the on-ramp, and the next thing you know, I'm headed west. I'm headed toward Texas. And I go all the way back down and turn around and come back. And I had the Matthews boys in the back of my car. That was embarrassing. I tried to blame it on my wife, but uh, they, heard, they heard her give the right direction. So I just had to eat some humble pie and admit that I took a wrong turn. Man, I lost a lot of time. I lost a lot of time. Matter of fact, the girls got home 15 minutes before we did. I lost a lot of time. Why? I made a wrong turn. I went the way that I thought that I needed to go, and that's how I got us lost temporarily. Folks, the Word of God will keep us from making wrong term, turns, but you've got to get to the place where you realize you can't do without it. You can't do without it. You've got to have that to keep you from going to the right hand or to the left. Well, that's where you're going to get yourself in trouble. But if we stay within the guardrails of God's word, oh, how God could guide us not only to a safe journey in this life, but a fruitful one as well. But then we get to the place where we start making our own turns and our own decisions. He told Joshua early on, after the death of Moses, only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. Which Moses, my servant, commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Don't we all want to prosper? I like prospering, don't you? I like when things go well and having God's blessing and having God's direction and God's protection on my home. Oh, I love prospering. He says, Joshua, if you want to prosper and you want me to bless you, he says, just be obedient to what I said. Stay within the boundaries of the guide of the word of God. I wonder this morning what God could do with all of us, where God could take all of us, if we just realize there's some things we cannot afford to do without today. And the reason that we're vexed and we have no peace and we have no victory is because we're trying to do without some things that are essential. Just like the man who jumped out of the airplane. He could have done without that helmet. He could have done without his camera. But he couldn't do without that parachute. And he suffered because of what he was trying to do without. This morning, can I ask you a question? Are you vexed? Is our heart not right? Are things not the way they should be? What did the Bible say? Verse 5, no peace to him that went out or came in. Do we have this adversity in our hearts and our homes? Could it be that the things we're dealing with are a direct result of what we're trying to do without? Here comes Asa, and I'm done. Asa comes along, had this great victory, said, man, that was good. Man, we won. We beat the Ethiopians. Man, that was great. And God says, I want you to remember, I'm with you as long as you're with me. But remember, when you left me and you left the true God and you left that truthful guide and you left behind that trusted guard, that's when you got in trouble. This morning, we have an opportunity to repent. The Bible says in verse 2, while you be with him, the Lord is with you while you be with him if ye seek him. If you seek him. This morning, I'm so thankful that one of the great attributes of God is that he's faithful and he's just. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, and forgive us. 
If God kept a running list of my sins and didn't forgive me, I would have done been zapped off the face of this planet. The Bible says he's faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But you know what? We have to seek that if we confess our sins. If we go to God and say, God, my life is vexed. I have no peace in my life. Things are not what they should be. I have spiritual adversity in my life. And it's all because I thought I could do without the true God. I manufactured my own God that agrees with me on everything. That's not the true God. I thought I could do without church, and I could miss church and get out of church, and I didn't need that truthful guide. And God, now there's no peace in my life and my home because I thought I could do without it. You've jumped out of an airplane without a parachute, something that you're desperately going to need. And Maybe this morning you're here and you just don't want to live by this book. I hate to tell you, it's only going to get worse because you're trying to do without that trusted guard. It'll keep you where you belong. And I just wonder this morning if we as the people of God but have enough spiritual fortitude to bow before an almighty God and confess the ways that we have learned to do without him and his word in order that we might find him and have what we desperately need right now in this country. It's a God that's on our side. So this morning I'd like you to have our heads bowed and our eyes closed just for a few minutes. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm going to ask you something. I don't want you to answer me. I want you to answer to yourself. I want you to answer to the Holy Spirit. Could it be some of the stuff we're dealing with today is a direct result of what we're trying to do without? There's a lot of things you can afford to do without right now. We could even afford to do without a cell phone. We could afford to do without a meal from time to time. But you can't afford to do without the true God. The true God. You can't afford to do without this morning that truthful guide. Oh, how we've got to be in church Oh, how we've got to hear his word. This morning, listen, we can't afford to do without that trusted guide, that guard of God's word to keep us where we belong this morning. And I fear that so much of what we're dealing with is because of what we're doing without. If God has showed you that this morning, I want to encourage you. The Bible says that he's there if we're willing to seek him. That he'll be with us as long as we're with him. And why don't we seek him out this morning to be on his side. Our Father.